Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and it's good to be with all of you here. Uh, my name is David Harris, and I'm uh, normally on the other side of town at Gila Mountain United Methodist Church in the foothills. And uh, it just so happened that um, I could be here this morning, and I'm glad to be in your company. And I look forward to, uh, I've met many of you, and I look forward to meeting many more of you. Um, my uh, family is not here with me. My, my wife runs the AV slides at, uh, at Gila Mountain, but we, um, I have a lovely wife, and if you ever come to annual conference and you, and you uh, listen to the Spanish translation, she'll be giving it. And I uh, have a 22-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter, and um, uh, we just we love it here and we want to be here as long as the bishop and the church will allow us to be here. Um, one of the great things about being in a uh, coming to a different church is that I don't have to tell the same joke over and over again to my congregation. Um, you all may have heard some, but uh, but the other thing is the other great thing is if the sermon's really bad, well, who cares? Um, in some communities, there are um, a, a, a church building is shared by different clergy. And it just so happened in a rural community that a church building was shared by three different clergy, a Quaker minister, a Baptist minister, and a Methodist minister. And they discovered that during worship, there were squirrels in the attic and they were, they were scurrying around and they were making a terrible distraction for people in worship service. And so after... Um, so worship service one day, the, the, the clergy came together and they said, what are we going to do about these, these squirrels and distracting people in worship service? And the Quaker minister stepped up and, and he says, I have a plan. He says, I don't want to hurt these small creatures. They're creatures of God. So he went out and he bought traps and he's trapped those squirrels and they took them out to the middle of the woods and then they found their way back and they got back up in the attic and they were distracting people once again. The Baptist minister said, well, I don't care if we hurt these, these creatures of God. And so he went out and bought cats, put them up in the attic. Seemed like a good idea at the time. The cats, the squirrels escaped, uh, escaped the cats, and then the squirrels were scurrying around and the cats were howling, making a terrible distraction for people in worship service. Then the Methodist minister said, I have a foolproof plan. And he went up in the attic and he trapped those squirrels and he took them out to the river and he baptized them and he said, you're now members of the Methodist church and they showed up on Christmas and Easter and sat on the back row. <laughs> so if you ever need a strategy for getting rid of squirrels in your attic. Today is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And uh, you all may have noticed we're kind of in an unusual Christmas season. Um, we, did, did anybody recognize that on the fourth Sunday of Advent it was also Christmas Eve? So in the morning you might have a... Uh, a sermon which eulogizes Mary, and in the evening you have the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. It, it's the same way this Sunday. This is the minister's option. It's Epiphany of the Lord, or it's Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And I've chosen to go with Baptism of the Lord. Um, this Sunday we remember, as Debbie nicely said, our own baptism in light of Christ's baptism. And this is a very special Sunday for me because it shows to me the undying, comforting, merciful love which our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has for each and every one of us. During the Greco-Roman Empire, the Jewish community believed that God was a God of mercy, 
God was a mercy, God of grace. God was God was a, a God of compassion and loving kindness. And and God was and and their God Yahweh was a God of provision. That means that God will provide your every need. Um, and they also believed that God that Yahweh was a God of forgiveness. I sometimes think that we as a society need to be more forgiving. It seems like these days that forgiveness is seen as a sign of weakness. And so we don't forgive. But the, the temperament of the day is to be uh, mean, controlling. Um, but I think that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was all about forgiveness. Um, and I find it ironic that, that um, Christ's entire life, death, and resurrection was centered around forgiveness. And why it's so hard for us as Christians to forgive one another, forgive other people, to offer forgiveness to those who need it. These days, um, as I said, we, 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 we are kind of a, a, a determined people, a driven people, and, and we see sign of weakness. Forgiveness is weakness. Um, and so our non-centered anger has not only become accepted, it has also become expected. Uh, it was believed by the Jewish community that God, Yahweh, was a forgiving God. Um, but for those to be forgiven, there were two things that had to happen. First of all, you had to be able to confess, to confess your sins. The Methodist Church is a part of a confessing movement. Uh, we believe in confession that it's good for the soul. And the, and the, the earliest um, Jewish community members believed in confession as well. That first of all, you must be willing to confess your sins, and then you must be able to turn away from them. Repentance is not just the thought of, okay, I'll do that if I, if I want to, or it's, it's not. It comes from, from a Greek root word, metanoia. It's the same word as in transformation that somehow we must be willing to transform ourselves and to step away from that sin, that we don't sin again. And it was believed that if we did these two things, confession and repentance, that divine forgiveness from God would follow. The scripture begins this morning by saying, John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism for the repentance and forgiveness of sins. Uh, so we see this right here, that first of all, you must be willing to confess, you must be willing to repent, and that your sins would be forgiving. Um, John the Baptist was baptizing many different people in the Jordan River. Many alcoholics and addicts, um, men and women around the globe, find themselves doing this. They have to divorce themselves from whatever it was that was causing them to, um, to live their lives a former way. They, they, they move themselves away and they create new values and new meanings in their lives. Baptism was a ritual which gave a person new life and new meaning. Baptism involved a person confessing their sins, repenting from their sins and being baptized and receiving divine forgiveness from God. The peculiar thing about this text is who John the Baptist baptizes. Jesus comes forward to be baptized by John in the River Jordan. The scripture tells us, 
In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the River Jordan. You may have noticed that the book of Mark is always in a hurry. I mean, Mark is always in a hurry. Jesus is doing this and then he does this. And, and it's believed that Mark was the first gospel written and then Matthew and Luke were, uh, gave more of detailed description of what Jesus was doing. But, but Mark is always in a hurry. Um, and so we don't get a whole lot here except for this one line. Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the River Jordan. If we look at the book of Matthew, we have more of a correspondence between John and Jesus. Um, John the Baptist is completely shocked that Jesus would be there. And he says these words, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you come to me. You see, in order to be baptized, you have to have some kind of identification with human sin. And here comes Jesus wanting to be baptized. What kind of identification did he have? This is the sinless one. This is God incarnate coming down to earth. He is the sinless one. He has no sins. He has no need to repentance. He has no need to receive divine forgiveness. Which sin did he commit? Why would he be in need of God's divine forgiveness? He didn't do anything wrong. And yet Jesus comes to be baptized by John the Baptist. Why does Jesus need divine forgiveness? Why does Jesus need repentance? In a job unrelated to the ministry, I used to work with a woman that had been abused by her father. It's sad to say this, but he was a dedicated Christian in the Methodist church. And when he was not involved with this church, he was abusing his daughter. She became a part of the Wiccan religion. She moved completely away. And, and I asked her one time, I said, I can understand why you would move away from the Methodist church, but why did you move away from the Christian denomination? And he, she said, because one day I caught my minister talking about submission to Jesus Christ. And the word submission is very threatening when you're being abused by somebody. And that just took her away. There are two types of submissions, folks. There is a voluntary submission. There is a submission where we voluntarily do something, and then there is a controlled submission where we don't volunteer, and someone is just controlling us. But those two things are very different. Um, a voluntary submission for the Christ-centered or God-centered benefit of another person is always a wonderful thing. Jesus Christ voluntarily was baptized by John the Baptist. And I truly believe if Jesus somehow was identifying with human sin, and if Jesus was a sinless one who had no need for repentance or divine forgiveness, then there was only one reason why Jesus would be baptized in the River Jordan. And this is my theology, folks. You can, you can disagree with it if you want to. I believe that with this single submersion, Jesus was taking on the sins of the world. He was taking it upon his shoulders. He was identifying with your sins and mine with this, with this submersion. This is no ordinary baptism. With a single submersion, Jesus takes on the sins of the world in a voluntary submission for your benefit and for mine. 
Jesus embraced your sins. Jesus embraced my sins. Jesus embraced your limitations. Jesus embraced my limitations. Jesus embraced your peculiarities. Jesus embraced my peculiarities. Will anyone in this world love the totality of you like Jesus does? Will anyone in this world love the sins that you commit? Will anybody in this world love the peculiarities that you have? Will anybody in this world love the limitations which you and I have, like Jesus did? With his baptism, he proved that he loved the totality of all humanity. The truth of the matter is, folks, we are sinful people. We are bonded by sin. And whether it's pollution or not seeking the fullness of God in our lives, wanting to run our own direction, lack of prayer, lack of biblical studies, not treating our bodies like a temple, whatever separates you and I from God's guidance is considered to be sin. Whether that sin comes as lying or cheating or manipulation or coercion or verbal or mental or physical or emotional abuse, we separate ourselves from God on a daily basis. Jesus tells us that the two greatest laws that we can possess are loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So folks, when you and I sin against each other, we also sin against God. Most of us will divorce ourselves from uncomfortable relationships, but Jesus continues to love us regardless. And Jesus continued to love humanity and took upon the totality of you and I on this day of baptism. Folks, you and I and the rest of humanity, we cannot get things right with God. I love saying that because I, people's eyes get big. What? We can't get things right with God. Because if we could, we wouldn't need a Savior. And we have to have a Savior who is Jesus Christ our Lord. No one will ever love your limitations like Jesus does. No one will ever love your quirks and peculiarities like Jesus does. No one will ever love your limitations like Jesus does. Jesus loves the sinner. Jesus loves the sins. With his own baptism, he was baptized into human lives and into human imperfection. And folks, when we are baptized in the Christian church universal, we are also baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is baptized into our lives. We are baptized into Christ's life. We are baptized into a life of mercy and compassion because we are baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are baptized into a life of loving kindness because we are baptized into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We are baptized into a life of justice, equity, and fairness because we are baptized into the life of Jesus Christ. We are baptized into the totality of Christ's baptism, and Christ was baptized into the totality of ours. And Christ's life, and Christ's mission, and Christ's vision, and Christ's death and resurrection was all about forgiveness, was all about mercy, was all about compassion, was all about loving kindness, and Christ's disciples are called to live out that baptism. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for this day in which you have baptized yourself in order
order to know us better, in order to take on our peculiarities, our quirks, our imperfections. We thank you for that voluntary submission. We know as a people of God, we should be identifying with the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, the abused. Just as you identified with our imperfections, we are called to identify with the imperfections which the world offers us. Allow us, Lord, in this time and this place, to realize the magnitude of what you did on this baptism of the Lord Sunday, and give us the grace and the service to offer ourselves to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.